Welcome today to the last uh, of our Selfless series. It's been a good series. It's been, it's, it's been I was going to say fun, but fasting isn't typically fun, so I'll not use the word fun. It's been work, but it's been good work. It's been positive work. And last weekend, we wrapped up our <clears throat> 21 days of prayer and fasting. And the whole purpose for that, right, is to, to draw us closer to Christ, help us kind of deny ourselves of our wants and desires, and, and just focus inwardly and kind of check the condition of our heart. That's why we do it in January, kind of starting the year off when we're you know, in that whole mindset of New Year's resolutions and things like that, just doing a good heart check to see where we are. And so we've been talking about a few things. One of them was, am I too self-centered to be bold in the spirit and do what God wants me to do? Or am I more concerned about self-promotion than I am about serving others. We talked about that and how important it is to invest in other people. And am I, am I truly living a life of extravagant generosity? Pastor Scott talked about that last week. And I'm telling you, it's amazing when you take what God gives you and you sow it back into his kingdom, just the blessings that he brings. And we have people that are living this out. They're experiencing it. And it's amazing to see what God can do. So all of these are kind of heart condition self checkups that we're going through. And so today we're going to wrap things up. I think I believe this subject is it has the potential to really be life changing, as I hope all of the subjects that come across the, the pulpit are, you know, that that bring um, something from the scripture, something from God that will help us become more what he created us to be, more in his image, more of an impact to our family and our community. So, so today we're going to talk about selfless gratitude, and, and we're, gonna, we're gonna use this phrase, grateful in the grind. Look at your neighbor and say, grateful in the grind. It's kind of an oxymoron, but we're gonna unpack that today, and we're gonna look at what that actually looks like. So let's talk about what this means to be grateful in the grind. And, and I just wanna set the stage by saying this, right? We all have a tendency to live under the illusion that something better is coming. That's why people buy lottery tickets, <laughs> all right? Because that, that, that glimmer out in the distance of what if I, that's all you need to spend five bucks on a lottery ticket, what if I, that, that's it, right? When it gets up to the hundreds of millions of dollars, people in the office or people in their, the dinner table, are talking about, what would you do if you... Right, So there's this tendency in, in our culture, in our nature, to always be looking for the next thing that's coming. And it's kind of, here, here's sort of the timeline. You know, when you're in middle school, if I can just get to high school, if I can just get to high school, my life is going to be wonderful because middle school is literally hell, right? Nobody wants to go through middle school. So you're in middle school, you're like, if I can just get to high school and just pass that. And then, then it becomes, as soon as I can get my license. Once I get my license, then, friend, I will own the world. We were all 16 once, right? A long, long time ago. And if I can just get accepted into that college, then everything's going to be going to be great. And then if I, as soon as I'm 21, when I'm 21, life is going to be amazing. And, and that girl right there, if I can just convince her to say yes, my world will be perfect. It took a lot of work for me, but she finally did. And, and so my life is perfect. Uh, when we, when, if I can just get my first house, if I can just land that new job, that promotion, that right, there's always that thing right around... Right, right around the corner, right? That we just, if we can just get there, everything's going to be great. And it's kind of, it's sort of the tempo of our society, right? You watch commercials. No commercial says, you're good where you are. How many of you have seen that okay is not okay? Those are fantastic commercials. You know, the tattoo artist, he's like, oh, it's going to be okay. The guy's like, what do you mean it's going to be okay? Goes, no, it's, it's going to be okay. You know, you don't want okay. 
right? When you need something done, you don't want, okay, my favorite one is the break. Have you guys seen the, the shop, the It's Okay commercial? So the guy, his car's on the shop, on the lift, and, and he's walking up to the mechanic, and he's like, so you guys do brakes here? Yeah, yeah, it's okay. We're okay. We're okay with brakes. <laughs> and the guy says, I've, we, we have a phrase around here that if the brakes don't stop, something else will. If the brakes don't stop your car, something else will. He's like, that's not a phrase. And the guy's like, well, yeah, it is. I made it. <laughs> so, okay, you don't need it to be okay, right? You need it to be solid. And so, so we have kind of a, a culture and a society that brings this, this always looking for the next best thing. And, and when, I was, when I was working on this, I kind of... You know, the, the, the unfortunate part about being the guy that's speaking is you always have to do your homework and you have to look at this through the lens of your own life. And man, this one kind of hurt a little bit, right? Because my, my story is, it, I, I really had a problem with always looking on the other side, just a little bit in the distance. And, and if you don't believe this to be true, just ask my wife. I, I actually had um, kind of a six-month cycle. The joke was every six months, Andrew's ready to move. And 12 or 13 moves later, <laughs> it was true. There was just this constant, uh, constant like, there's just something right out. If I can just go over there, if I can just get in this place, if I can. So, so the kind of the joke was by the time I was ready to change my driver's license to the new address, I'd be moving a couple months later. So I would keep a driver's license with the old address as long as possible so I would be able to stay in one place. That's flawed logic. Never mind. Um, <laughs> It's just I found myself being very frustrated because I, I didn't like what I was doing, you know, my work or whatever the case was. There was I was always pursuing something else and just trying to reach um, just a little further because there was this elusive thing that I was always trying to grab. And, and it created, it created a, a real discontentment. And, and one day I was, I was up one, one morning in the kitchen. I was packing lunches for the kids to go to school, and I found... I was just miserable. I hated it. I did. And who hates packing lunches for their kids? That's terrible. But I was like packing lunch for the kids. I'm like, I don't like doing this. This is so ordinary and so mundane. You know, I just, this isn't where I want to be in life. There's no flash. There's no glamour. There's no excitement in packing lunches for your kids to go to school. It seems so normal. And, and so I, I struggled with this and I didn't really understand, you know, what is it? Why am I like this? What's this unrest? And, and, you know, in, in, in understanding this and God working in me, I started to realize that that discontentment, that, un, uh, that unhappiness, that, that constant yearning for something else was basically me not being able to realize who I was and what I was really called to do. I was always seeing myself through the lenses of something else, projecting my life through, the, through an image of something that I, I had in mind. And it wasn't always, most of the time, it was not in alignment with what God's plan was for me. And so it took a while, but I remember I could take you to the place. We lived in this house for about, I don't know, six years or so. And uh, I remember I was shoveling snow in the driveway. My life had kind of taken a couple different turns. And I was at the end of the driveway. I was shoveling snow. And I just put my hands on the shovel to rest for a minute. Um, And I just was overwhelmed with gratitude that I had a driveway to shovel. It was just ordinary. There was nothing amazing about shoveling the snow. In fact, I don't like shoveling snow. But God had been working in me to help me realize that not everything in life is the Facebook reel, is it? Not everything in life is worth Instagramming. 
Not everything in life is worth taking a selfie at the moment. Sometimes life is just life. And if we don't check our motive and check our heart and align ourselves with God's plan, we'll find ourselves in a constant state of, well, I wish I was or I wish it was. And I found that when I look back through those years of my life, I wasn't doing anything bad. I just, I was constantly searching for the next shiny thing. And it was creating this unrest. And in many cases, because of that, my life was not really aligning with God's plan for me. I was busy thinking that God didn't really have any good ideas, that I had some better ones. And if he would just listen to me, I could make an amazing life for myself. All I needed was for his sovereign stuff to back it up. <laughs> just if you back this stuff up, it's going to be great. Trust me. Yep, right? But he knows better. And so what happened is I realized I was pursuing a lot of my own dreams, a lot of my own interests, a lot of my own passions, because that's kind of the way culture teaches us. But you know how Jesus is. He always has this other message. He always has this countercultural message, something along the lines of denying yourself. And we just push that off to the side because nobody wants to spend any time there. But if we understand what he's telling us in denying ourselves, he doesn't just say, forget about you, forget about your desires. He said, deny yourself because I have something better than you can even imagine. I have something called abundant life, and you don't know what that is, and you don't know how to get it for yourself. But if you'll deny yourself, your passions, your desires, your dreams, and let them fold into mine for you, you will have the life that you could not even dream of. Right? Right. So God began to slowly, because I'm hard-headed and I'm just stubborn, and he began to show me the value of the grind, the value of the grind. Slowly there started to be this change in me, and I started to find out that work was the reward and the prize was actually the process. And I had to have a change of heart and mind and understand that the actual, I can be grateful for the daily grind. I can be grateful in the grind. Now, nobody is tracking with me right now. I can see in your face, that guy's nuts. He clearly does not understand my situation. I don't want you to misunderstand. This is not permission for us to sit back and say, well, this is my life. I just got to deal with it. No, 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 no. It's not for us to just say, well, I don't have to improve myself. I don't have to be any better. This is the best it's going to ever be. That is not God's plan. God's plan for you is to be the best you that you could possibly be. And the only way to achieve that is to work hard. Work really hard. So this isn't about just sitting on the couch and saying, well, this is the best it's going to be. No, 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 no. This is about letting God's plan for your life become the focal point of your life, and you got to work hard to pursue it. Now, we're going to talk about what that working hard is in just a second. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, let's, let's look at what ordinary is. Let's look at what Paul says ordinary is. In 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Now, I love this because that whatever does not mean only church-related things. The whatever there literally means whatever. It doesn't matter. There's no pre-qualification on this. I love how Paul, an incredible apostle, the guy has an amazing story. If you read the New Testament after the Gospels, you start reading Paul's story 
the things that he saw, the things that he did, just fascinating. That was the kind of life I was pursuing. I wanted to be a Paul, right? I wanted to be traveling all over the world and preaching the gospel. But God had a different plan. But Paul shifts the focus to the ordinary, and he emphasizes just how powerful it can be when we have a perspective change about what our life looks like. Whatever you do, if you're remodeling somebody else's stinky bathroom, whatever you do, if you're a stay-at-home mom and you find yourself cleaning bottoms and noses, whatever you do, when you're tackling the honeydew list on Saturday morning, whatever you do, (laughs) if you're grilling dogs in your backyard with your neighbor that you feel obligated to invite because he's standing on the other side of the fence looking at you, whatever you do, whatever you do can bring glory to God. Well, that doesn't make any sense. How does remodeling a bathroom, wiping a snotty nose, and loving my neighbor do anything to bring glory to God? That's the point of this whole message. We're going to show that to you so that we can understand that my Monday morning matters to God. My ordinary get my coffee, walk out the door at the same time, warm my car, the same, that matters to God, and it can bring glory to God. There's this thing called grace, right? And we don't really fully understand the magnitude of what grace does in our life. There's a transformation that takes place. And Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He's talking about how Christ died to pay for our sins, how he rose again so that we could have freedom from sin and we can, we can be free from bondage and addiction and all these things. And so he's painting this wonderful picture and then he starts talking about the grace of God, how it works in us and how it takes our ordinary life and makes it something that brings glory to God. He talks about this being grateful in the grind. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse nine, Paul's talking about himself here. He says, for I am the least of the apostles. And he goes on further to say, I don't even deserve to be called an apostle. And he explains why. Because Paul, before Paul was Paul, Paul was Saul. And Saul had a mission to stamp out Christianity because it didn't align with his belief system. And so he would stop at nothing. He would kill you. He would put you in jail to stop this heretical belief in in Jesus Christ until he had his encounter with God and realized, oh, I've been doing this all wrong. And so he starts on a mission to, of redemption to work and allow God to work in him. And so when he makes this statement, he's qualifying that he does, not, he does not deserve to be called an apostle because of his past. But then he goes on to say in the next verse, he explains this key. And this is what we're talking about. This is the key right here. He explains it. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. That right there, if some of us could really grab the truth of that statement, it would change our lives. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me, I love this, was not without effect. And then he says, no, I worked harder than all of them. And the them here is he's talking about all the other apostles. He's like, I worked harder than all of them. But it wasn't me working by myself. It was the grace of God that was working in me, working with me, changing me. Here's the beauty of what those two verses. In the first part, Paul paints a picture. In the second part, he realizes that God called him to be Paul. He did not call him to be Peter. He did not call him to be James. He did not call him to to be John. He did not call him to be any other apostle. He called Paul 
to be Paul. And that right there is a revelation that will rock your world. If you can look in the mirror one day and say, I am not supposed to be anyone other than who's looking back at me because God created me to do something that only I can do. And it may be in the mundane, it may be in the daily grind, but I can bring glory to God because I'm the only me in the entire universe. We don't live in a society that teaches that. We don't. And so we're constantly pushing against that. The freedom in realizing that God chose you, even though you may have issues, even though you may have volumes, <laughs> even though you may have all kinds of struggles and issues, and, and, and just you're not perfect. But God picked you. He chose you. He understands your imperfection. He realizes that you mess up a lot. He still picked you. And knowing that gives you freedom to live the life that God has for you. You can change your world because it's the power of God in us that does the work. It's the grace of God. Paul said, I worked hard. I worked harder than everybody else because I felt like I had something to live past. I had a past haunting me. But it wasn't just me working. It was the grace of God working in me, working with me. This is the key. He says the grace of God had an incredible effect in my life, an incredible effect. And that grace working in Paul was what prompted him, challenged him, and inspired him to work harder because he knew that if God will continue, if the grace of God will continue to work in me this way, I will eventually be able to bring glory to God in everything that I do. It motivated him and inspired him. I'm going to tell you this. If you are sitting here today and you cannot witness that the grace of God has had an effect in your life, then we need to talk about that. You're missing something vital in your relationship with Christ. The grace of God is what changes us. It's what draws the good out of us and makes us in his image. And when we allow the grace of God to affect our lives, we begin to see how our ordinary life, our very normal life, our very mundane life can actually bring glory to God. Another day at the office, another day hanging sheetrock, another day serving warrants, another day watching kids, another day teaching kids. It can bring glory to God. Why? Because you're God walking around this earth. His spirit is in you. You're his ambassador. You are making a difference in, your, in the lives of other people. People are watching you. People are seeing you. They're witnessing the grace of God in your life. It makes a difference it makes a difference. You can actually become grateful in the grind. You can become grateful. The prize is in the process. The work is the reward itself. Freedom in Christ is knowing who we are and allowing the grace of God to affect our life in such an amazing way that it touches lives around us. There's three enemies of gratefulness that I want to just hit real quick, real quick. First one is the pillow. Don't think I need to explain that too much. It's the seduction of comfort, right? The thing about this is Paul said he worked hard. Letting the grace of God work in him was hard work. He worked hard. So there's this constant seduction of comfort. You know, if I can just get that job, if I can just drive that car, if I can just get that house, life is going to be easy. You know, I just want life to be easy. But Jesus didn't call us to easy, did he? Easy never changed the world, did it? 
We don't read about easy people in our history books. We don't read novels, or not novels, but we don't read biographies of people that were easy. We read about people that changed something in their life or their world because they worked hard. They allowed things, opposition, to come at them, and they pressed on. That's what God is saying here. He's telling us, don't, don't, don't just settle. Let my grace work in you, and let me show you how amazing your life can be. The pillow is an enemy of gratefulness. Second thing is the shiny thing. The shiny thing. The allure of the constant distraction. The grass is always greener. Facebook always tells me about their life and how wonderful it is. Oh, it just robs us of gratefulness and fulfillment. It, you know, looking, I just wish my life was like hers. She's on another trip and another fun location. Her hair is always perfect. Her, her house is always immaculate. And my trip consists of a drive to, to Walmart at midnight. Woohoo. Yay, me. I have, I have Audubon hair. You guys know what Audubon hair? Audubon on the goats behind. My hair's always a mess. You know, nothing really works well. My house looks like I'm a hoarder, but not really like a legitimate professional hoarder, just kind of not quite there. I'm not even a successful hoarder. It just looks like mess is just making more mess, but it's not enough to be on TV about it. You know, Facebook just, it, it robs us of that, of that whole thing, right? Because everybody's highlight reel. The Bible does the same thing to us. You read the gospels, man. Those guys that walk with Jesus, they went from one amazing thing to the next amazing thing. Right? I think Luke said it best. He said, if we were able to capture everything that Jesus did while he was on this earth, there's not enough books in the world to hold it. The, the books of the world could not contain it. So obviously, Paul had bad days. Obviously, Peter woke up one morning and was like, dude, I just don't want to do the whole apostle thing. I'm just tired. Right? Oh, I got to go visit some people that are sick. Oh. Life. But we don't read the, the Facebook reel, the, the, the highlights in the Bible, they're just highlights. We live on a regular schedule of Monday through Friday, and we do the mundane work thing, and sometimes our job seems so not exciting, and my life just seems so unappealing, and I just wish I could be that person, or I wish the grass is always greener, the shiny thing, the next best thing. You know, maybe if I did this, or I pursued that career, or I better sign my kid up for five different consecutive sports all happening simultaneously so that, so that they can get their chance at school, and they're in the best school in the, in, the, in the country, and they're three years old, and you've got them fitted for whatever sport they can, because society's pushing us, pushing us, pushing us. There's something greener, something better, something fancier, something always driving us, that shiny object, the next, you know, like... We're like the dog, squirrel, you know. <laughs> and then the third is the towel, the perpetual temptation to quit. Everybody faces this. Every, we all face this. An ungrateful heart loses the focus on what's important. And the easiest thing to do when nothing is, when it's not important anymore is stop doing it, right? Just quit. You know, this marriage is just too much. You know, I'm tired of seeing that person every morning. I'd like to change that face. Let's get another face in there. Let's just, I'm done with this, right? tired. The marriage is too hard. I'm just going to throw in the towel because there's something easier. There's still that shiny object. And boy, she looks a lot better than this first model. Right? Financial discipline is way too taxing and society is telling us don't worry about financial discipline. You'll pay for it later. Somebody will pay for it later somewhere. So we go shopping for therapeutic reasons. Right? Being a Christian is way too difficult. You know, I went to church twice. I can't do that. You know, I read the Bible, a verse in it. Yeah, it didn't apply. It's too hard. So this thing of constantly throwing in the towel is always there. Three things that prevent us from being 
having this selfless gratitude and finding this gratefulness in our grind. Because face it, our life does not consist of the Facebook highlight reel. Right? There's a higher calling, and it's not selfish passion. It's selfless purpose. I want to help us to understand something today. When Jesus says, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me, I'm promising you abundant life. I'm promising you something greater. Denying ourselves does not mean we're supposed to do without everything. Live in a cardboard box and eat out of a dumpster. That's not what denying yourself is about. It instead means starting with, instead of, instead of it being my passion, my desire, my drive, my focus, my dreams, why don't I start with God? God, what is it? You created me. You said there's only one of me. And the rest of the people say, thank God. Right? There's only one of me. I know I have a purpose in this life. What is it? I've got to start this with you. You show me the path. You show me what I have that you desire. And then when I begin to pursue that, here's the beauty. When we live selfless purpose, passion follows purpose. If you start out just whatever you feel passionate about, friend, you're going to be like a golf ball in a tile bathroom. You will be all over the place. Because our passions are like whims. They're emotions driven by this emotional state of, oh, I think I could definitely be that guy over there. I could definitely do what that person is doing. I, I, that's definitely me. No, it's not you. But if you find a purpose for your life and you start pursuing that purpose, passion will follow it because all of a sudden it's not a whim. It is who you are. It is what you're designed to be. And it will create something magnificent in your life. And passion will be there to follow it. The work is the reward. The prize is the process. And you actually can be grateful in the grind. The ordinary can become extraordinary because it's not a task that we're checking off but it's a life that we're living with purpose. That's why at this church we do four things. You guys should know this. It's on the wall out there. Four things. We want people to know Jesus. We want people to find freedom. We want to help you discover your purpose because if you do, you will make a difference. You will make a difference. And when we start our day asking God, God, I want you to be glorified through my life. I want the whatever I do piece to actually bring you glory. I want that to bring you glory. I want to live with a holy purpose, which will ignite passion. I want to be led by the Holy Spirit every day, whether I'm at church or anywhere I may be. I want to be led by the Holy Spirit. I want to be empowered by the word of God as I live my life and I'm trying to be an example. I want to love people wherever I am. Because that's Christ, right? Loving people. I want to be the ambassador that Christ wants me to be. I want to be salt and light. I want to be a world changer just doing what I do every day. Right? I, I wonder, you know, I wonder if in God's perspective, if I were speaking today to 50,000 people, an arena packed, I wonder in God's mind and God's economy if that is better, more important, greater than me sitting at Dunkin' Donuts across the table from someone sharing my story with them about the grace of God. In God's mind, is one better than the other? Does one carry more weight than the other? In our world, it does, right? 
Everybody would love to be the guy that's speaking to 50,000 people. Wow. But anyone can be the guy on the other side of the table at Dunkin' Donuts. The problem is we have that shiny object problem. We have that idealistic perspective that we haven't run through God's filter yet. We're chasing passion instead of a selfless purpose. You with me? It's very simple. This is not complicated at all. And it, it fits, this shoe fits every foot in the house. We all struggle because society, culture presses this against us. So we're constantly looking, searching, trying to find. Meanwhile, Jesus is telling us, you ordinary can be ordinary, or if you give it to me, I can make it extraordinary. And when you show up to work on Tuesday morning, I can get glory out of that. When you're at your job and there's someone struggling and you just put your arm around them and say, it's going to be okay, dude. What can I help you with? God can get glory in that moment. If you're too busy hating your job to love on the people around you, you're missing it. It's selfish passion versus selfless purpose. See, when we give ourselves to Christ, he starts really using us, allowing us to be his hands and feet, which means, you know, if, 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 if your work at this particular job or this particular community is done, he's going to open a door and put you somewhere else. And he'll give you blessings along the way. He'll, he'll, sometimes it's tough. Sometimes in the, in the tightness and in the, in the toughness of, of your situation, if you recognize and understand that I'm living with a purpose, a selfless purpose, that my own passions and my own ideals are, are secondary. And God, today I'm waking up and I'm going to this job I don't really like to go to. So would you find glory in this? I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you will begin to see a change in the way you view things that you do. I'm telling you this from my per personal experience. Once I realized that there was not a dividing wall between where I worked, my nine-to-fiver, and my church work, my life just transformed and you're thinking well that's kind of a simple thing to understand it wasn't for me it took me years to figure that out it took me years to figure out that ministry very very little of ministry happens where I'm standing right now and most of it happens when the doors are closed and we're living our life that's why he tells us in everything you do God can be glorified and if you let the grace of God work in you this way, you'll find gratefulness in the grind because the grind won't feel the same as it feels to your worker, your co-workers. Their grind feels different because they don't know this. And that's why you're there, to show them that their grind can have glory in it. They're, they can be grateful in their grind because there's a God that has a purpose for their life. And instead of chasing the next shiny object, instead of throwing in the towel because it's too hard, instead of those things, instead of trying to take the easy path all the time, when you have selfless purpose driving you, friend, your life takes on a different shape. All of a sudden, the ordinary becomes extraordinary because God is in it. Because God is in it. And you can be grateful in the grind. Stand with me this morning. This is a, a life-changing understanding. It's a life-changing perspective shift. When we realize that our lives matter, 
when we realize that the things that God has given us to do, whatever our natural skill and talent is, if we're carpenters, if we're uh, accountants, if we're uh, the guy that, that uh, cleans the floor at PetSmart, not the job I want. But if you're that guy, you can take your pets to PetSmart. Okay, just make sure you understand. There's some glory that can happen in that space. Why is that? Why is that? Because when we allow the grace of God to work in us, it begins to affect the people that are around us. And if you want to make this whole thing very simple, we are called to love people. That's our mission. It's really not complicated. It's hard, but it's not complicated. And so when we start letting that happen in our life, whatever we do brings glory to God because we're touching lives every day. Father, I thank you so much for your great love for us. It is impossible for us to to, to comprehend the magnitude of the love that you have given us, the grace that you have shown us, and the hope that you hold for us. Every one of us in this room, no matter where we come from, no matter what our walk of life is, no matter what our profession is, no matter what we are, where we've been, who we know, what our family name is, to a person, everyone in this room has been loved by you and has been given the hope that our tomorrow can be abundant through you. I pray, God, that you would help us. Let this resonate with us. Help us, God, not to pursue selfish passion, but instead selfless purpose. As you shine the light on our path and we begin to realize that, you know what? Our lives matter. Whatever we do, whatever we do can bring glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen.